This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> In today's fast-changing world, Understanding and embracing future leadership trends are vital for professionals seeking excellence. This presentation, titled Unlocking Female Leadership Potential, explores the transformative power of coaching leadership style and the power of understanding emotional intelligence and adaptability as critical factors of successful leadership. Coaching leadership empowers teams through personalized guidance, driving motivation, and fostering continuous improvement, creating an innovative environment. Emotional intelligence, particularly empathy, builds strong connections and inclusivity in the team, promoting trust and support, psychological safety. By promoting diversity, female leaders enhance creativity and drive innovation. They recognize the value of differing viewpoints and encourage open dialogue, resulting in well-rounded decision-making processes. Also, the AI Enhanced Revolution demands adaptability. Ranked as a top number one human skill of LinkedIn, leaders must learn to navigate uncertainty, be open to new team initiatives and opportunities, and lead teams to success in the ever-evolving digital era. You will gain valuable insights into the coaching leadership style involving emotional intelligence, strategies for managing stress, building resilience, and adapting to new challenges in a fast-changing world. Valeria interviews Dr. Tina Person. She is the author of The PhD Career Coaching Guide, Job Search Strategies, Interview Techniques, and Life Lessons for Achieving Success. Dr. Tina Person is a visionary coach with a multifaceted background from both the university and the corporate world. She holds an ICF PCC certification as an executive career and leadership coach, specializing in female leadership, emotional intelligence, and adaptability. These skills have played a crucial role in shaping her educational and coaching business. Additionally, Dr. Person is a highly sought-after speaker, frequently facilitating workshops and seminars for senior leaders, C-level executives, and high-potential individuals to help them achieve their goals. She is also an expert in leadership and team coaching facilitation. Meet Dr. Tina at passage2pro.com. That's passage2pro.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Tina Person. In your own words, who is Tina Person? 
Latina person with the words, I would say, I take it from here and now, where I am now, and that is that I'm a woman that's running my own company at the moment. I see myself as an entrepreneur and I'm sort of living my dream because running this company was part of a dream. And I'm a very energetic, uh, curious woman and that apart from running my company, living and training as a coach, uh, founder of this company, being a trainer, meeting people on a global level. I also do a lot of CrossFit and training on my spare time. So I would say there's a lot of energy around me and curiosity. That is, broadly speaking, Valeria, I would say, the woman I am today. Mm, that's wonderful. I love the living my dream, that phrase. So how did you get to do that, Tina? Oh, that was a long journey because it was a hidden dream. Uh, it was so hidden, I didn't know the dream existed. But I was very, very unhappy for quite a while. And I maybe take you back a little bit because I went to Germany to do a postdoc. And postdoc is something you do after you have done a PhD. So I started off an academic career and I went to the Max Planck Institute, which is you know, one of the top six institutes in the world. So I was basically in a top producing scientific lab coming into the RNA world in the 90s, which was, and I, I don't know how many Nobel Prizes we have from that generation, the 90s, but I think around seven and eight. So I was trained to be in the elite class in science. I came back to Sweden with this sort of ambition an idea of becoming a full professor. And I had this sort of idea what it was. So after two, three years, I realized it was absolutely not really what I expected. And I just realized that the job was not at all what I wanted. I was on a daily basis doing things I didn't like to do. I was writing articles and I always had this negative feedback around me. I became very quickly a group leader, but I had no training in leadership. And I had no mentor, I had nothing. I felt extremely alone. So I got very, very, let's say, stressed in that life. And I became a woman that I didn't want to be. And I started to look around, Valeria, are there any women at this university that I admire? And I realized it wasn't. There were no role model of these women. And I thought, I don't want to stay here. So I thought, I can do something else because I'm coming from a non-academic family. They are salespeople and my mom was working in a store. So I thought I can do something else. I just have to change my career. But that turned out to be so extremely much more difficult than I thought because leaving academia, you don't do lightly. You will be questioned. What are you doing? Have you failed? So you can't be normal. What's wrong with you? Even my family didn't understand me. So I, I start to feel more and more desperate that I need to do something. So the first job I got afterwards with a lot of work was working in recruitment business. And that was so different from what I did in academia. And But I learned that the people I liked, to work with because they were positive. They were more happy in the jobs. But at the same time, I felt like a sort of an alien there because I was so differently trained. So slowly, 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 I started to go down and I felt 
mentally worse and worse. In this period, I also got unemployed twice because it was 2009. And just as a crown of everything, you know, I said in the beginning, I do a lot of fitness. I did that. I started my fitness at the time. Long story short, I ended up in a deep hole and everything was taken away from me when I lost the job, 2009, and I also cracked my disc. And so I couldn't even do my fitness. So I was so desperate after help uh, at that time, and I didn't get anyone. So I went for a walk, and I did that because when you crack your disc, uh, you have incredible pain. So I couldn't, I couldn't lay down, I couldn't sit down, I could only walk and stand up. So for basically for several weeks, I think it was three or four weeks, I was walking in a park. And I had this feeling that something must happen in my life. Something must change. What have I done to deserve this, to be so lost in my life? So I was walking in this park, and that was in the autumn. And while walking there, you know, you feel this wet air in the autumn. It is a bit a bit chilly, a bit rainy. And I could hear these birds above me. And I looked up. And then suddenly I just get this bird shit in my face. And I, I'm just standing there, you know, and I thought, I can't believe it. And then in that moment when I looked up, it was like I started to talk. I raised my hands and started to talk to higher forces. And I said, you know, I can't do this alone. I need help. And interesting, what happened when I started to walk was that I felt so much lighter. And just the day after, a company called me for a job that I normally would have said no to. But I took it because I needed the money and I decided this is a test. But walking in that park, which I continued to do, I started to think, you know, no one deserved to be so lonely and feeling so alone in this desperation of just wanting a new career. So when I feel better, I said, I'll be back and I will make a difference. I want to make a difference in people's life. I want to help people. So no one ends up in the same situation as me. The question was just, what, how can I do it? And I thought, just start my own company, you know? And that's how it started, Valeria. This little dream that I didn't dare to start doing because I was too afraid, I was too anxious to make the jump because I'm not from an entrepreneurial family. I am, you know, I came from a middle-class family and if I had told my parents I'm going to start the company, they would have said, you know, that's a bit risky, you know, it's better to just take a job. But I had that little dream. Now, I really want to start my own company. How amazing. Wow, I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still here like visualizing everything, how it happened. I love the hands on the air and asking, I can't do this alone, right? No. And the interesting thing is that we are never alone, but we, we feel that way. And my Curiosity has been always spirituality for that reason, because I felt alone for I mean, so long in my life with my you know, thoughts in the head, with trauma, a lot of traumas that I had been through in childhood. And this is something that I found out, of course, the, the hard way that 
one, we are never alone, that's for sure. But what happens is our attention is given to something else. So they keep saying that. It's almost that it's a, as this old narrative. It's almost like a, an old broken record. <laughs> they, yeah. We are alone. The negativity, the self-talk, which is interesting to see. And, and now I see that this is the mind. The mind's very interesting. And this is a different podcast conversation, but I do make a distinction between mind and consciousness and God or the universe. They, they, are, they are the same. They are under, of course, the same umbrella or they embrace one another, but they, they have distinct, let's say, perfumes. There's a, a way that we can perceive them. So it feels very much like you found a way to free yourself, to free some of that con- mind content that keeps repeating itself. Or live in the same kind of life, right, Tina? Like what yeah, we have taught yeah, yeah. Uh, from childhood. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, this sort of, um, I've been thinking, it's really great what you're saying, because what I now know is that working as a coach today, looking back, because now I sort of, I really have to go back. How was it really? But this moment in, in, in the park is very clear. I still have the feeling around it. But I believe the challenge I had was I didn't know how to ask for help. I couldn't ask for help. And that is now, so when I, I'm, I'm smiling now, I probably, probably hear that I'm smiling. But yes. <laughs> why, why couldn't I ask for help? But I couldn't. And this is what I reckon sometimes with my clients as well. You know, it's okay to ask for help. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. I actually say in my coaching, and I write it on LinkedIn, that asking for help is a strength. It's a fantastic future strength. It's a human skill to survive. So true. It feels almost like we become a bird that is caged with the door open. Yeah. Where we become our own hostage in a way when we don't ask for help and when we need help. I absolutely agree. And that has to do, God, that, that's a complicated world of the mind. That's what it does, really. It keeps yeah. us very much in that space. Almost like it, it, we become our own prisoners. That's what yeah. it is. It is. It's like you become in, and I was in my prison for quite a long time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me <laughs> and, too. And I, I started to pursue a career without figuring out facts. What kind of people would be there? Understanding now later on, I'm not very good in politics. I don't like politics. Yeah, but maybe then you shouldn't be in academia. You know, mm, yeah. <laughs> part of being a full professor oh, wow. is to play the game and to to like mm. politics. I didn't like that. So this is, you know, smart. I, I say, I, I met a young man. He was one of the first managers I had in the recruitment business. He said, Tina, sometimes I don't understand. It, it seems as you have no plan that you do things, but you don't know why. And that got stuck with me. That What does he really mean by that? And now afterwards, it's a little bit like you have to learn to know yourself where you want to play and with who people and what people you like to have around you so the best of you can come out. I never thought about that. I was trained to to be good, be a good girl and work hard, but not very smart, if I Mm. put it that way. I wasn't nice to myself, not very smart to myself. 
Yes, that, that has been definitely my case in so many of us, especially women, you're right. Mm. There's something about the way we have been conditioned to think in a certain way, to behave in a certain way within the society and in certain yeah. environments, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Very, yes, yes. Yeah, we need to behave in a, in a certain way oh, in order yes. to be considered a good woman. Oh, good girl, as you said. Oh, um, good girl. It starts in school. Otina, I, I always got these boys around me when I was sitting because they had to discipline them. So, you know, already in school it started. And I was good in math and physics. So, of course, you have to study natural science. And it turns out that that might not be the best choice. It was not the best choice for me uh, if they had looked at me as a whole person, more holistic, uh, if I say so. So, yes, I, it starts very, very early. And I can't say it was my parents. It was much more trained in school, I would say. Ah, interesting. Right. Uh, that's an interesting observation that I don't want to make a comment here because I do love the idea of education. Uh, but, yeah, there's lots of limitations there, too. That's why I choose spirituality over anything else in a way. So talk to me about the book. I do have a question for you about initial, mm. I mean, tons of questions here. But you <laughs> wrote a book titled The PhD Career Coaching Guide, Job Search Strategies, Interview Techniques, and Life Lessons for Achieving Success. As I said off record, the word success caught my attention immediately. And I often ask the question here. So talk to me about... The book, what is it about exactly? What is the, actually the goal, the intention with the book? Did, did you set an intention? And what is your idea of success? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the idea of the book was very, very clear. I was, first of all, the idea was I wanted a very short book, not, not very thick, not very academic. So this book is very action. You know, it's, it's 150, 200 pages. It's to the point and action. So you can read it very quickly, but there's a lot of information in it. It's basically it's everything you need apart from how to use ChatGPT at the moment. But I'm working on a new book. It's a new book project from Royal Chemical Society, actually. So that was my idea. And I always wanted to write the book. So, you know, when I'm coaching, I, I don't want to teach people in the coaching. When you coach people that are PhDs and postdocs like I do, they like facts. So I said, here is a book, and the book they can also get in e-learning. So that was the book. And it was also a dream to write a book because for me, uh, not even liking to write an article and maybe not good in writing, it was a challenge. So I challenged myself with it. And I also got help, a fantastic help from my American coach, Robert, who was a big, big, big support uh, in the book writing. The word success is very good. You ask that because we discussed that. And I like success stories. Mm. So it yeah. comes a little bit from success, you know, the PhD career story podcast they also had. So storytelling, and you know, there is a chapter about storytelling so success is based on your story and it's not what other people think about you. It is your success. So if you are happy with the career you have done that you find successful, that is your success. So you tell your success story because there's always going to be another person that will be inspired by you. Uh, that's true. So it is, it is very personal, right, Tina? The idea yeah. of success. We cannot define for others. I do 
measure, let's see, success. What an interesting idea. I guess I think about happiness and peace when I think yeah. about success. And peace comes before even happiness. I guess from peace, inner peace, happiness arises. So I think about success. I think about peace in a sense of being well, no matter what happens. If I have money, if I don't, if I'm healthy, if I'm unhealthy, whatever it is that's happening, there's something here that's unchanging and just stays as it is. And, and it's a peace. It's quiet. It's peace. It's yeah. quiet. Yeah. And yeah. It is that sort of moment. I have it now when, I, when I'm talking with you here. It's the sort of a feeling that I'm completely here and now. Yes, uh, right. And, and no one cannot really change that. I, I feel complete in this discussion with you. That is for me peace. Uh, peace can also be when, when I'm in the gym or I just walk the, down the street with a big smile mm-hmm, yes. and I feel like, you know, <laughs> nothing can, you know, mm-hmm. really, really <laughs> take mm-hmm. me away from that feeling, you know, or remove that smile from my lips. That is the peace. And that is so important to get into those stages. Uh, and to do so, you sometimes have to just live here and now, and not focus too much in the future and mm-hmm. asking yourself the questions, you know, what if? You know, you know what yeah. if? Because then you never have peace. You're always on the run, and you will miss so many opportunities when you are running. That is so true, Tina. And I noticed that a lot of people, they are actually uncomfortable, right, in not doing something. They, yeah. they are so caught up in doing, doing all the time. Not that I do a lot to myself, but there's this flavor or this perfume of peace in it. So, mm. and that's how I know, although I'm doing a lot, the being, it's, it's with it. So yeah. it, it feels good. Not all the time, but most of the time, I would say these days. Another question I have for you, open question, is about the leadership. How to define a true leader? What are the characteristics? Oh, there are so many different characteristics. Uh, but I can take from the leadership that I had. I, I, I don't know. I would say a, a, a leader, you are, some say you are born to be a leader. I, I don't think so. There are people who are born leaders, but you can train to be a leader. Leader is not the same thing as being a, you know, a manager. I say usually that a leader people choose. So you can be in a company, and that that I have actually experienced, that we had a manager, but then we had a leader, and the leader was part of the team. So a leader gets followers, no matter what. Yeah. And a leader, we, we write leader, what is leadership qualities, and, and I think the lead, a great leader needs to be very curious. And in the end, they must love people. Mm, and yes. at the same time, you know, have this big heart of staying focused, particularly if you work in the corporate world, you must deliver numbers. So in the end, you must love people, but you must know what your place and situation is in that moment. Because being a leader in the corporate is very different from being a leader at the university or being a leader in in a community, for example, a different sort of leaders. But you must love to work with people. Mm. 
Yeah, that resonates with me. This idea that a leader would be somebody who will attract other people anyway. They will follow them, right? Naturally, they don't have to force that. They don't have to force. And we have a couple in my country, I can tell, they haven't been in management position for a long time, but when they when they speak, people listen. Yes, yes, right. They uh, are leaders. Yeah, they are leaders. They yeah. have a voice and people listen to them. And they have a high integrity. And mm. they love people. And yes. the challenge that comes working with people and leading people. Uh, oh, wow. So they are really in for all of it, right? You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, they are. And sort of, Very inspiring, yeah. And then, of course, I have my own picture of a leader. I think for me, it's important that leader is the one that is not afraid of taking lead and take the risk together with the team, you know. Mm, yes. They are also open to challenges, uh, challenges yeah. from what I see. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not afraid of challenges. But I love the way you said that. You keep saying, you repeated many times about the leader, a uh, true leader loves people. Loves working with people, yep. uh, however, right? It, it, yeah. it might be. And that makes sense to me. So, another initial question is about the companies that you have. So, you're founder of Passage 2 Pro AB and Adeptham AB. So, talk to me about these two companies. Adeptham, mm-hmm. uh, we can start with. And I would say I'm not the founder, really, I'm the inventor. Uh, it's a while ago, but Abdaham is a biotech company, a startup, and they work within the RNA field. And this RNA, Abdaham, the molecule, the chemical substance, is an active substance for septic shock, which we know kills a lot of people globally. Uh, but not many people talk about it because it's not what they say a sexy disease. People die, you know. And we know that from the corona pandemic that uh, people that got pneumonia later on they died in septic shock. So we don't really have a very good cure for septic shock. And we want this molecule to be more for the acute phase. So when doc you get the patient in the hospital, doctors know that if they they only have a certain time, you know, hours before the patients, they need to start to amputate the patient. And we hope that this drug could stop that. And so far, they have got very good results from this molecule here. I'm not involved in the company. I'm not the president any longer. But I was one of the scientists of the patent that, together with you, one that we then could sell to create the hem. And at the moment, I'm part of the election committee. So uh, this is the story. It actually, up the hem is actually the result of my science that I learned to do in Germany and that I continue to do in Sweden as an assistant professor before I left. So that's actually a long story itself. Uh, Just that company. Passage to Pro is my hidden dream. That was my dream that I one day going to start this company. And one day I took the step. I took the leap, basically. And I still remember I was in Stockholm. I was living in a one-room flat in Stockholm. And I just stayed in bed and I said, you know, tomorrow I start my company. And I did. And that is Passage to Pro. And I started it now. 15 so it's eight years ago so it has happened a lot i started off with coaching and training and transforming phds and postdocs and professors for a career in the industry 
Uh, but now I do so much more. I do executive coaching, leadership coaching, both in industry, instituting, in, in the corporate, and I'm, I'm a team coach, and I give a lot of workshops as well. So the, it's more diverse today than it was when it started. Yes, how wonderful. Wow, you're happily <laughs> yeah. busy. <laughs> yeah, I'm happily so, busy. <laughs> so many things. Another, oh gosh, I have other questions. Yeah, I have a question about, so the topic of this episode is unlocking female leadership potential. So with that in mind, I guess the question that comes to me is how do we know when we have that potential, that leadership potential? What are the signs, Tina? It is when you love to do it. And when you, it's, it's, this is a very deep feeling, uh, which I believe men more gladly take than women do. Uh, women feel yeah. they could do it, but they don't take the leap. Uh, and do you, because yeah, it, because in the end, you have to take the leap, Valeria, and then yeah. take the risk to fail as a leader. Mm, and this true. is what I think the boys are training much earlier when they, they are playing football. Uh, you know, they are playing much more. They are playing to be leaders on the football. So they actually know a bit more about themselves being a leader. Women don't do the same thing. True. Ah, so we take less chances than men we do. We take less Rest. chances and step mm. out, women. This is female leadership. I say, women, step out, do it. And, you know, just because you failed in one group doesn't mean you failed in the other one because leadership is a very practical training. I know too many, and now I say managers, <laughs> you know, they are reading books about leadership, but they seem not to learn anything from it. Wow. That is fascinating, the fact that women don't, don't get to kind of experience that leadership roles because they don't take the risk and also there is not much out there to uh, inform us about what true leadership is. This conversation, I mean, I had so many conversations about leadership and it always goes back to that, what you said about loving people and helping people and working with people and staying with people, understanding people. It's almost feels to me like it is the work of knowing oneself and you mm. do talk about self-awareness too. Mm. I really believe that this is, is a requirement in a way, not a forced requirement. It, you said it can be trained, but I also believe that it comes naturally to some people, as you mentioned too earlier. Mm. So talk to me about self-awareness and the importance of that, Tina. I think it's very important because self-awareness is that you very early, people that have this self-awareness naturally they naturally surround themselves with people not being like them. So they, they, they find people that complement them and they like that. They, they, they somehow don't see that as a threat. They just see that mm. as a potential. Yes. And I have one of these big leaders in the city where I'm living and he always said that he was 18 years old when he started his own company. And, and he said, I didn't know when I started, but I realized when I got older that I always was surrounded with people being very different from me. And that, of course, made him successful. Some people tend to surround themselves with people who are like themselves or somehow gorship them. And that is the wrong way, because in that way, you will never have a person. You will not be a complete team. You know, it's like football. You can't have 
you know, I don't know how many people they are, players they all know in American football, but you can't have only quarterbacks or running backs. You need a complete team. And some people need to train this instead of seeing a person as a problem because they are not like them. And this is what I do in my leadership coaching a lot when I say, hey, hey, that person you are leading now or trying to lead, you need to figure out what they need and what, they, what value they can add to you. Right. Ah, what a beautiful message. Um, yeah, in training, right? You know, because it yeah. is a training in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah, please continue. You're about to say something. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say something here. But I also think that some people just have it naturally, sort of. And, of course, self-awareness is completely fundamental. And I'm coming back to communication. Asking for help is a human skill. It's really important. But also that I can ask what kind of need I have. I need this from you, team, because, you know, then I will be a better leader for you. And the team can say, we need this from you because then we can perform better. So it's about expressing your needs. And this is something I learned in my coaching that many people have a hard time to very clearly express what they need. Mm -hmm. And when they learn that, yes. it's not only in the work, it also goes mm -hmm. back to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, maybe I should mm -hmm. tell my wife or my husband, yes. <laughs> I need yeah. this, you know, yeah. to feel good. Yeah. So that is, you know, that is self-awareness is the core in, in many ways. Right. And then clearly express and communicating Mm. Uh, what we need and want. I have heard that before yeah, so many times here that most people don't know what they want clearly. They don't no. have that clear Because vision. they can't express it. And that again comes back to that if you as a manager love to work with people, then you are prepared to figure out how to deal with them. And to figure out how to deal with people, you must learn more about them mm, and yeah. about yourself. Ah, wow. Yeah. That's beautiful work, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is a beautiful work. It's a puzzle, jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, yeah. I love that, this idea of kind of uncovering ourselves together. Yeah. It's even better that way. Yeah, it is. But not everyone, of course, especially in relationships, and close relationship is not as easy, right? No, it's not. For some reason. So another, something that's caught my attention, you talk about, yeah, you said, in the age of uncertainty and change, it is important to build organizations and people with a high level of resilience. Mm. So I'd love to hear more about this concept of resilience when it comes to the workplace. What does it look like, Tina? Resilience is fantastic. Oh, I could go on and mm -hmm. talk about that for one hour. It's uh -huh, hard yeah. to phrase it because uh -huh. people are so different. But resilience is to live a bit more here and now. What, what happened in, in, in society, of course, and we are, are, are broadly speaking very impacted on what's going on on social media. Uh, we, are, we have a generation of people that want to know everything. They want to have control over their life. They want to know exactly how their career is going to uh, develop in the next 10 years. And at the same time, we have a technology shift so we're more or less going to have a future where the next 10 years is going to happen more changes in the next 10 years than in the last 100. So this planning your career, planning your life, 
doesn't really fit to the reality we are living in. And, and to deal with things, it's like you're changing your career or in the state I was when I had my hidden dream. I was desperate. I was looking for a job. But in fact, I had no resilience because I tried to plan something. I couldn't plan because I didn't have enough information. And I was running around with a closed heart and a closed mind. So what I try to say with resilience and resilience organization is that we focus on what we can impact at the moment. And we have to rest in the feeling that if we do that, it's going to be good enough. Then we need to imagine and sort of imagine what might come around the corner. But that requires adaptability. And and that an organization, in this case, that's a bit more complicated, but as a human being, is that if I'm open-minded, curious enough, talk with people, and I still say, it's okay, I don't know next year, but I know today, and I keep that open mind, I will take an opportunity, I will be open to see an opportunity that I didn't know existed. So that is a mindset that could build resilience. Wow. Wow, that sounds amazing to me. Yes, that also resonates true. So doing what we can do with what is in front of us, what's yeah. present, being present to what is here, right? To what is presented. Absolutely. That sounds and, spiritual uh, to me. <laughs> it's spiritual, yeah. And if you take it to the organizational level, it needs to be more agile and organizations need to be more adaptive because as it is today in the corporate world and also in academia is that they have is every quarter they're going to deliver numbers. And if they're going to continue like that and deliver every quarter, they will not be prepared when something comes around the corner because they full focus on delivering the numbers for the next quarter. Mm, yes. Wow. Yeah, that's a world that I, I'm not familiar with. So I'm mm. just listening to you to see <laughs> what I can learn. Yeah. The corporate world, no, that yeah. I have no idea what that is. But it makes sense to me that if we can work on ourselves, then the, the organization will reflect in the, the individual. Yeah. It's a reflection, right? The, what's it, the dynamics. It is, because if you, if you create self-driven teams and teams that are resilient and self-driven and working collectively together, you're going to have a bigger support system in the company and someone in the team might understand where they are going. And, and this is also where the coaching leadership come in. So the team might know more than the manager. And now uh -huh. we're coming into this, the leader that can lead a team where the team know more than the manager. Wow, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. I love the concept also, the idea of a group work, right? Working together to achieve something. Or even, like you said, the team knowing even before the manager. So that, yeah, um, um, yeah that, I mean, that really speaks to me from that level of collective level of working together to achieve something greater for all of us. It really takes, that's what it takes, really. Yeah, it's what it takes. Right? Working mm -hmm. together as a team. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking here about communities, about cities and then, yeah, you know, yeah, countries yeah, yeah. and all that. You said increased understanding of emotional intelligence and adaptability intelligence. 
I never heard about adaptability. Adaptability, yes, adapt, being adaptable, but not adaptability intelligence, mm. AQ. I never heard uh, this concept. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fairly new. It started, you know, emotional intelligence started, I think, 20 years ago. And adaptability, if I just say, no, it's the top. Adaptability as a word is ranked number one on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm one of the few coaches, global growing community that uh, have taken an assessment uh, so we can actually measure adaptability. It's super exciting because this was a missing link for me because I learned when I was coaching people, <laughs> also looking at myself, Valeria, I wasn't very adaptable when I was not in my best mood. And some of my clients come to me and I realize they're not very adaptable. It's very hard for them to make a change. And I was the same. So, so it's no wonder about that. But I was always curious about what is it that really sort of, what, 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 what is the time? What, what, what is it that we need to twist here? And in this AQ, if I just say it broadly, it's, it's, it's a lot of parameters. But important for adaptability in general is, of course, that you are open-minded, that you are curious, and curious on a broader level, and that you're willing to learn new things. On the other hand, also willing to unlearn. And then you must have a certain grit that you don't give up. So just because the job is boring, you don't stay. You need to have sort of a grit also. So when you're working against the wind, you still bite on, if I put it that way. And then it is the emotional range that you are building more resilience, living a little bit more here and now. But then there is some interesting parameters that is hope. Because if you don't have hope and optimism, let's say hope, Imagine you, you have no hope. Why should you change? So we're coming back to this spiritual here because that was for me, yeah, right. You know, I could go back to when I was walking in the forest. I had no hope until, you know, I asked for help. You need mm -hmm. hope. Mm -hmm. And that is the spiritual part that I think that many, we have forgotten. Ah, so true. Go back to people, that, you know, in ancient times. They were spiritual. Why? They need hope. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's, I know when you speak of hope, I think about faith as well. Yeah. The, the other word, right? Trust, faith, hope. They all kind of, they're to get, come together. I, well, that is very much, I guess I, I cannot generalize, but I think that's religious people. They think that way a lot. You know, they're always mm. expecting, oh, not always, but there's this uh, feeling of, of longing, of desiring things to be different. And they, 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 they kind of hold on to that feeling with um, an open heart and being positive yeah. about it. But I guess for me has changed or has evolved to th these concepts of hope, faith, of just being in the moment, as you mentioned before, like not really expecting something to be different or for the change to come according to what I want. It's, um, it has been more of almost living in a space of freedom where mm. everything feels like it is free to be whatever is expressed, mm. even when something happens that it's not of my wanting. 
mm. it's okay too because that's freedom being expressed. Mm. So like I'm kind of open. Now I think more of being open, being present to what is present and living from a space of freedom. So that doesn't require really hope of faith, but, us, but, but the knowledge that I'm always here to witness whatever is happening. <laughs> There's this unchanging part of me that's always present. So I guess that's the knowledge of that. It doesn't require hope or faith or trust. It's, it's, it's just is what is needed in itself in order to just kind of enjoy this experience called life. That's yeah. what it feels like for some reason. It might sound abstract for a lot of people, and I know it does. For some people, and indeed for me too. But now it has uh, it's becoming more established and, and more practical in a sense that, ah, that's whatever happens, just freedom itself happening. You know, having this conversation with you mm. and then maybe get out, getting out of, ending the conversation and something unpleasant happens. And then it feels almost the same way. Yeah, there's this presence here that kind of allows everything to be as it is. Mm. Not that's always, good. of course, but uh, not in all, at all times, but most of the time. So it's quite interesting. That's my, my main spiritual practice or awareness. That's what I focus on. For some reason, Tina, I have no idea why exactly. <laughs> yeah, is. but it, it's not fluffy for me. But if you had met me 15 years ago, I would yes. have said, my God, this woman is really weird. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, for sure. <laughs> then I had my spiritual awakening working yes. with myself. And no, it makes 100% sense. You know? Ah, yes. Yeah. That's wonderful to hear. <laughs> so the way you describe... Also, this adaptability, that's very inspiring. So being open-minded, curious, open to learn new things and unlearning, that also kind of makes me think about a ch being a child again, in a way, right? It is, it is. Um, which is the spiritual, in a way, goes back to that innocence. Another, so we're almost at the end, but I do have another um, topic here. In your book, you talk about the FIT framework that we talked off-record. That also sounded very... I mean, very warm to me. So talk to me about the, uh, the acronym FIT, the meaning, and why, do you, why did you include this in the book? Yeah, thank you. I'm very happy that you asked this question because uh, I start with what it means. FIT framework stands for F, is focus on being positive. I, incorporate meditation and exercise in your daily routine. And the T is think gratitude every day. And this is, when I wrote this book, uh, it was so important that it was one chapter about emotional management. Because emotional management is essential for a career transition or being a, in, let's say, you lost your job or you're in between jobs or you're unhappy in your job or whatever. Emotional management is the cue for success. If we're now coming back to success, feeling good in the transition. Because if you don't manage your emotions or emotional management, you're going to be frustrated. And frustration is a negative energy. So it's important to train this. So I always try to incorporate that in the coaching I do. Then it's always different depending on the person. Some people are more fact-oriented. Some other people are more feeling-oriented. 
but to landing in that focus on what you can impact and write down things about yourself. And I can say, I had clients that I said, do you know what? Till the next time, I want you to write down 50 things that, that are good, that you like to do and that you are good at. Write 30 things down about things you want to say to yourself, to appreciate yourself. And some clients say, this is really difficult for me. It's much easier to write down things I'm not good at. And this is how, you know, and that, that is something we need to change. So we can say, do you know, this coaching here tonight, God, it was so good. I'm so happy. Just to say that. And then thank you. Give so much energy back. And it's also the same thing that smile a bit. You know, this was something I learned when I was, a fitness instructor and I was unemployed and I was really down the drain. That was before I cracked the disc. But what I learned was that I was an instructor. So when I was in front of 50 people or 30 people, I couldn't look. I need to look happy. I, I, I was the instructor. So I had to encourage the people and motivate the people. So I was smiling and I was playing as I was super happy and everything was fine. And what I learned was, after the class, I felt happy. Mm, right. <laughs> yeah, because yes. I forced myself to smile. And, you know, so I got these, you know, hormones probably or emotions or feelings, whatever. So I learned that it is good to incorporate this and say, this was a good day. And, and, and then a big smile because the smile you get back. Don't you, Valeria? If I smile to you, you smile. So true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something about that. It's something about it, yeah. I agree. Yeah, when I'm when I'm around people anywhere, supermarket, whatever it is, in the street, and I see uh, mostly w women than men, they look at you and they smile, and I love yeah. that. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm always yeah. smiling myself. But then when I see that in other people, it's just so wonderful. Yeah, it is. It is. So this is why I incorporate it. And the other reason why I have this chapter is that I I read a couple of career books, and they were so theoretical. This is how you write the resume. Uh, this is how you work with LinkedIn. It was so fact-based and so theoretical. So I said, there is a missing link in these books, and it is the FIT framework. Mm -hmm. Yes, that really caught my attention. So focus on positivity, incorporate meditation, exercise, your daily routine, and then the T stands for gratitude. As you said, that it, it's really a valid in, in beautiful practice from my point of view. And it's true about emotional management. You call it emotional management. I like the words awareness or I use yeah. understanding, but it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. It goes back to it the is. same. It is, absolutely. That's fundamental too. That goes back to the practice of self-awareness, isn't it, mm. Tina? It it's is. Within yes, that umbrella. So we're almost at the end. I do have the ending questions for you. But before then, is there anything that you left unsaid? Or would you like to read a passage in your book or anything else? Anything left to say? Oh, that's a very good question. I think we really have covered a lot. You know, you have done, Valerie, thank you for it. Uh, you, what, what is left for me to say is thank you to you, Valeria. Is This was Really, beyond my expectations, you know, this this talk with you, and I would love to do it again. It has given me so much energy to speak with you, Valeria. Oh. So I would say that that is the thing I would like to give you 
And uh, that's the thing I would like to add to the podcast. Thank you, Valeria. Yeah, thank you, Tina. Thank you for your presence in, in our reality. Thank you for doing what you do. This courage to uncover yourself and reveal yourself to the world, to this reality. <laughs> it's beautiful and help others to do the same. That's what we need more from leaders or just, I just think about people, humans as, I don't know, these beautiful flowers just feeling Becoming more aware of their own beauty. That's what it mm. is, isn't it? Yeah. We, just, we forget that a lot of times, how beautiful mm. we are. So thank you for your beauty. And <laughs> thank you. For expressing <laughs> that. And then the ending questions. I guess I'll ask you, I have the technical one, but I'll ask you another one. I'll ask you this one that I usually ask everyone. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, that was a tricky question here. But three experiences. I think one experience that they find themselves, I mean, truly find themselves, and then that they forgive themselves and that they leave with the love. That's a big one, isn't it? Love, mm-hmm. yeah. Finding ourselves, uncovering ourselves, and then forgiving, and then loving ourselves. That's a big one. If we can do that, then I guess we we have done a lot for this lifetime. That's for sure. Mm. Thank you again. And before we say goodbye for today, Tina, where is the best place to find more information about you and what you do? The best way is to find me on my company page, which is passagetopro.com. And they also very welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. They find me under Passage to Pro and Tina Person or to my mail, which is tina at passagetopro.com. Mm, wonderful. So I have those links and I'll have that on your podcast notes. Yep. Anyone can just click. It'll be easy Absolutely. to click that way. Thank you again and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Tina. Take good care. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Tina Person and her work, please visit passage2pro.com. That's passage2pro.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.